navigating life through the Word of God. This is the Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. It's filled with praise. Is anybody here tonight have a heart full of praise? Amen. Amen. If that is the case, then we ought to give it up to the Lord. Let him know that our hearts are filled with praise. The Bible says from the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. So if your heart is filled with praise, uh, somebody ought to be able to hear something out of you. You ought to be grateful to the Lord uh, for nothing else that he allowed us to see one more day. Amen. That's why my heart is filled with praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This time, all of our young people can begin to make their way over to the Enrichment Center. If you have not already, to their respective classes. Hope everyone is doing all right on tonight. Man, certainly good to see you all. Let me first start out uh, with an apology if you made it out to the house on last week uh, and found that there was no one here. Uh, that means that you didn't get the message that uh, Bible study was canceled. So. Uh, if you did not get that message, you need to get your email address uh, into the admin office so that you won't be out here when you don't have to be. Uh, but my apologies, we uh, was going to try and do it. I had a couple of calls, and then the last call was my mom and dad who just pretty much told me, you're not going to be doing Bible study, pretty much sounding like that. So uh, still have to learn how to listen. Uh, so it's been a trying time for the last couple of weeks, I think over the last couple of weeks, we've had about four or five funerals and just going, going and going. And then uh, on the flip side of things, I have to wear my part. I think I went down to the graveyard for the committal uh, and did not change my shirt. And so that's when it all started. So uh, lesson learned, lesson learned. But nonetheless, uh, we are here tonight. Uh, so we're going to jump right into the word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter number four, Mark chapter number four. I'm going to start reading at verse number 35. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, Mark chapter number, chapter number 4, verse number 35. When you have it, say amen. If you need another minute, say hold on just a second. I heard a faint hold on, and we'll hold on just because I told you to say it. Mark chapter number 4, verse number 35 through verse number 41. Verse number 35 says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Verse 40 says, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So tonight we're going to continue talking about the storms of life. And so tonight we're going to talk about navigating the storms of life. Navigating the storms of life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you now for this day, for this is the day you've made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you. For another Wednesday night, God, that we get to come out and hear from you. Father, now that we are here, we pray that you will speak to us with clarity as only you can do. If there's one here tonight that does not know you in the free pardon of their sins, uh, we ask now that you would convict, convince, and persuade in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, help me now to teach your word with the Holy Ghost boldness, but not with an arrogance. Hide me now behind the cross so that the people will see none of me, but all of thee. Now may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, draw my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Navigating the storms of life. So on Sunday, Sunday we uh, talked about weathering our storms, weathering our storms. Uh, we took our text from Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, 
Uh, we read verses 22 through 31, uh, where Jesus was walking on the water towards his uh, disciples who were in the boat already. Uh, once he identified himself to them as the Messiah and not a ghost, uh, Peter asked him, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come. Uh, and so the Lord told Peter to come. Uh, Peter gets out of the boat, begins to walk on the water, and the Bible says that he began to see, or when he saw uh, the waves and the wind, that he began uh, to sink. He became, he became fearful, and he began to sink. That's when he shouted, Lord, save me. So from this passage of scripture, we learned that in order for us to weather our storms, we had to beware of distractions from our surroundings. Uh, we also had to be mindful of the discouragement from our situation. Uh, and then lastly, we was to be sure of deliverance from our Savior. So as always on Sundays, uh, Sundays is that time of proclamation. Uh, and so on tonight, uh, we're going to continue talking about the storms of life. Uh, but instead of going through it by way of proclamation, we want to go through it by way of explanation. We're going to slow it down. Uh, so if you have any questions, we can kind of deal with those questions. Uh, and we can explain some things just a little uh, better because we have just a little bit more time. So uh, we talked about weathering the storms. Um, but in order to weather your storm or in order to survive your storm, there are certain things that needs to take place while you are in the midst of that storm. Uh, so uh, we already talked about, most of you know what a storm is because we've already talked about it on Sunday, but just real quick, uh, again, the definition of an actual storm uh, is a disturbance of the normal condition of the atmosphere, uh, manifesting itself by winds of unusual force or direction, often accompanied by rain, snow, hail, thunder, or lightning. But when we use this word storm, or when we talk about the storms of life, uh, I, I want to take a closer look at that definition. What, what are we really saying when we say the storms of life? Uh, what we are saying is that our life is experiencing uh, a disturbance of what is normal for our atmosphere. When we talk about the storms of life, our life is experiencing uh, a disturbance uh, from what is normal for our atmosphere. So tonight as a working definition, this is what we're going to uh, use as a working definition for the storms of life. Uh, a life storm is when your trials and your tribulations disturb the normal condition of your atmosphere, manifesting itself by causing a range of emotions, such as fear, worry, anxiety, sadness, anger, depression, loneliness, hurt, offense, and grief. One more time, a life storm is when your trials and tribulations disturb the normal condition of your atmosphere. Uh, manifesting itself by causing a range of emotions such as fear, worry, anxiety, sadness, anger, depression, loneliness, hurt, offense, or grief. Uh, so now that we have defined uh, what we mean by storms of life, let's now identify, let's now identify a couple of things uh, that we would classify as a storm. So Ashley, if you don't mind. Now that we have talked about uh, storm of life and how it manifests by causing fear, worry, anxiety, sadness, anger, depression, loneliness, hurt, offense, and grief. What are some things that would be classified as a storm in life? Anybody? Divorce? Death? Financial hardship? Loss of a child? Oh, job? My bad. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I was about to say that. All right. Divorce, financial hardship, death, loss of a job. Anything else? Sickness. Sickness. Anything else? What about uh, incarceration of a family member? Anything else? How about domestic violence? Can we think of anything else? Uh, let's say foreclosure. 
bankruptcy, repossession. A lot of that falls under kind of the same umbrella. Arrested. Correct, that's technically not the same as incarceration because you can be arrested and be found innocent later. But don't ask me how I know all this. I'm just... <laughs> So, I'm sorry. Arguing with the loved one. Correct. What about wayward children? Mm. <laughs> what about uh, demotion on the job? Here's one. What about church hurt? Anything else? You want me to spell it? Okay. I'm going to say, don't, you want to do this in front of all these people? The world is watching. <laughs> she just had a moment. It's all right. So, out of all of those things that we have listed, and I'm sure we did not cover everything, uh, we now have to figure out a way to not allow those things to distract us and discourage us to the point that we are not able to function or to the point that we are not able to walk in the calling that God has called us to. Uh, tonight, for many of us, uh, that's easy to figure out a way to not allow it to stop us because right now we may not be in a storm. Uh, it's, it's always easy in the classroom, so to speak. Uh, I, I can remember in the military, uh, we were sitting in the classroom and we were getting ready to go to a live firing range. Uh, and a part of our training was to go through night fire. Night fire is when they fire live ammunition over your head. <laughs> and so they're instructing you that these are live rounds so we don't have to tell you to get down but once. In the classroom, it's like, okay, cool, I already know. But when you get out there, and it's night fire, so you see the tracers. They, they're, they're what they call tracers. And you just hear all this boom, boom, pew, pew. I was trying to dig a hole <laughs> in the ground. Because it's easier in the classroom. We had live grenades. Hey, we're going to teach you to throw this grenade. Simple as that. Pull a pin. Count. Thousand one, thousand two. Get rid of it. I'm cool with all of that. Until we got out there. And I pulled the pin. And after a while, <laughs> they snatched it out of my hand, threw it, and quote unquote helped me down. <laughs> That's for putting us in danger. Because you tend to freeze up sometimes when it's live. This is the classroom. But there will be some live moments when you step outside of these walls where everything you've learned and nodded your head to just don't seem to make sense. Okay, y'all still looking at me like I'm crazy. The same way you tell your friends that Christ has changed you, and the things you used to say you don't say no more. And then all of a sudden somebody pushed that button. And everything come out. Not God loves you. Not Jesus be a fence. But you know the beep, beep. So tonight we're going to talk about how to keep those distractions and those discouragements uh, from the storm. To, keep, to not keep us from walking in what God has called us to do. So uh, the text that we read, the text that we read uh, is going to help us navigate through our storms of life. So I'm going to read, read it again. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, 
be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. There was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. In the scriptures, uh, we see Christ and his disciples. They're out on the boat. The storm starts. Christ is in the back. He sleep. They begin to see the waves breaking into the boat, filling with water. And then verse 38 uh, is where we learn our first lesson on how to navigate uh, our storms or navigate our way through the distractions and the discouragements uh, from our storm. It says that Jesus was in the back and that he was asleep with his head on the cushion and the disciples woke him up and they were shouting, do you not care that we're going to drown? Uh, the disciples teaches us uh, that when we are going through a storm, uh, we have to learn or we must learn to settle under our covering. We have to learn how to settle under our covering. Notice this. Jesus said to them, let's get in the lake and let's go to the other side. The only reason they're on the lake, the only reason they are in the boat is because Jesus said to them, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Now here they are in the middle of the storm. But when they got in the middle of the storm, they ran to Jesus. Watch this. Not to blame him for the storm, but to help them in the storm. I'm going somewhere with this. See, too many times we will abandon our covering because we want to place blame on our covering. Ooh, it's getting tight right here. Uh, too many times we get angry with God. And so now instead of submitting to God, we want to dismiss God. How many people, and I'm not talking about it here, I'm saying in general, how many people no longer wants to deal with God because their storm in their, in their mind was caused by God? Even in the Bible. Y'all remember when, when Lazarus was dead? They said, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, see, there are some storms that start to make us question God. If you've never had that battle, you ain't really had a storm. You know, drizzled a little bit. <laughs> but a storm, a storm will make you really start to wonder what in the world is going on here. A storm will make you flirt with the question, God, where, where were you? God, how could you let this happen to me? See, when, 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 when a storm comes your way, the worst thing you can do is to abandon cover. A um, couple weeks ago, the tornado, uh, I, I just don't like to sit still. I know that they're calling for rain and all that, but I'm out, in and out of stores. And when it hit, <laughs> I was in the middle of 29, everybody stopped. And my truck felt like it was, so I was like, okay, I'm going to pull over here to the Bojangles. Maybe I should run into Bojangles. <laughs> Don't tell nobody. Even on Facebook, I know y'all heard it, but that ain't what you heard. But then I thought about it. If this wind is about to pick up my truck, how fast will it pick me up and whisk me away? So I decided I best to stay in what little bit of covering I have. But many people do that every day in the storms of life. They will abandon their cover. They, they, they will actually walk out from under God's protection. Okay, let me, let me see if I can help you. The oldest saints used to say this, the safest place and the whole wide world is in the will of God. The worst thing you can do in the middle of your storm is to walk out of the will of God. I don't care how much you think God should have stopped this. I don't care how much you think, God, where were you? You best to stay put. Because if you think you're in a storm now, get outside of the ark of safety and see what happens. Let's look at Psalm 91, Psalm 91, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read this pretty fast. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 11 says this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Verse 3 says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Then it goes on to say, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And I will give you shepherds. Hold on. Y'all mix it. Come on, come on. Psalm 91, 1 through 11. Psalm 91, 1 through 11. You ain't got it? I stay ready. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand shall fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you these evils will not touch you just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished if you make the Lord your refuge if you make the Lord your refuge if you make the most high your shelter no evil will conquer you no plague will come near you or your home for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go it doesn't matter that evil may show up. It says it will not conquer you. But when you step outside of God's will, you are left to your own devices. When you are not where you're supposed to be, the enemy will love to get you off all by yourself. Have you ever noticed that there are people that every time they find themselves in a storm, they want to lead a church? And when they lead a church or when they lead God, it only gets worse. You have to understand the worst thing you can do in the midst of a storm is to walk out from under your cover. And I know you might get frustrated. I know you might get confused. I know you may have questions, but don't walk away from God. Despite what you may be going through and in spite of what you may be feeling, I want you to know it's a trick of the enemy to make you think that God is somehow punishing you and that he don't love you, and that's the reason you're going through your storm. It sounds silly right now because we're in church. But in the middle of your storm, the enemy starts to play with your mind. And as soon as something happens to your children, the enemy says, you know why that's happening? Yeah, because you did X, Y, and Z. The, the enemy loves to play these kind of games but watch this you have to understand uh, that God is not out to destroy you and anything that he allows to come your way is not meant to destroy you but it's meant to develop you and he will not put more on you than you're able to handle watch this okay first Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 13 it says this the temptations in your life are no different from what other people experience and God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Here's the thing. It seems like we're the only one because of the way things may be timed. It seems like you're the only family that's losing family members. It seems like you're the only parent who has way with children. It seems like you're the only family that don't have the money right now. But the truth of the matter is, what you're going through is no different than what everybody else go through. And here's the thing about it. God loves us so much that he doesn't play favorites. If he brought the Adams family through it, he'll bring the Johnson family through it. If he brought the Johnson family through it, then he'll bring the Jones family through it. But the thing is, when we find ourselves in these situations, we don't look for anybody else that he's brought out of because we'll go into our pity party and we'll start looking at our situation and we'll start saying, woe is me. God, how can you do this to me? And God is saying, I'm trying to get you through this thing, but you're running from me. Whew. But watch this. It's not just God that people will run from or get out from under the covering. But people will get out from under the covering of their church. Uh-oh. It's getting ready to get quiet. Watch this. Here's the thing about it. There are benefits to staying connected to your local church body. 
And it trips me out because we all experience these benefits, but as soon as we go through a storm, as soon as we are offended, as soon as there's some sort of church hurt, we are willing to throw away those benefits so others will know we're throwing a fit. Somebody missed that one. I'm going to say it one more time. As soon as we are offended, as soon as we go through a storm, as soon as their church hurt comes about, we will make sure, watch this, to throw away those benefits so others will know that we're throwing a fit. In other words, you want everybody to know you peed off. I know that's a little strong, huh? I thought I toned it down. I'm about to say something else. You, you want everybody to know somebody has wronged you. You want everybody to know things did not go your way. Here's what I love about this thing. Most of the time when people come to me with church hurt because what such and such them did, I can remember not long ago somebody else came to me about what they did. It's funny how that works. But here's my thing. There are so many benefits to the local church body. And the sad part is we experience those benefits or we reap those benefits and oftentimes we don't even realize how much of those benefits uh, are really, how much those benefits are really helping us along our way. See, here's the thing. That's why the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter number 10. Let us hold, uh, 23 and 25, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful to promise, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Here's what you have to understand about the church. Uh, uh, the church is a place when you find yourself in need, anything you need is found in the church. I know that sounds crazy. But the church is the kind of place that anytime you find yourself in need, anything you need can be found in the church. Okay, let me clarify that because we don't need the phone ringing off the hook. That doesn't necessarily mean that if you are three months behind in your mortgage, that you get to call the church and the church pay your all three months of your mortgage. Uh, but what I am saying is if you, if, if you fellowship enough, uh, you might find somebody in the congregation that specializes in foreclosures or how to keep you from foreclosing on your house. And, and that individual can then sit down with you and say it's not too far gone. That there are some plans, and there are some things that you can go through that will save your house. Uh, but see, the problem is uh, we get so secretive in the church that when we're going through things, we don't want anybody to know because of that thing called pride. And now all of a sudden, we want to feel like the church is doing nothing for me. But if we don't know your need, we can't help you. But one thing I do know, if you get upset and walk out of here, you're not going to find the help you need all by yourself either. Because if you could do it by yourself, you wouldn't be in the situation. The church is the place where you can find the help that you need. Acts chapter number 4, verse 32 through 37 says this. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Uh, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles' feet or to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed uh, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, before you even go there, I'm not saying to sell everything you own, bring it to the church. Nor am I saying that every church uh, operates this way to where they can make sure everybody have what they need financially. Uh, but what I am saying is that whatever you need, the church is still here to provide assistance. And, and it is not always financial. Sometimes it's encouragement that you need. Have you ever been down? Have you ever been feeling mighty low? And you <laughs> 
<laughs> you get in the church house and somebody that see you as you're walking up greet you with the biggest smile and say, I'm so glad to see you. They haven't asked you how you're doing, none of that, but there's just something about that spirit, the love, and it just starts to emanate and then it starts to pick your spirit up. That's why we need to come together. Does you no good to sit in the house with all the curtains closed? It's dark. You ain't want to eat. You don't want to talk. No, it's not going to get better that way. Come on out to the table. Uh, come on out to the, to the uh, feast of the Lord where the table is spread. How about that? And there you can find what you need. You have to understand sometimes it's simple friendship that you need. It's found in the church. And sometimes it's a prayer partner that you need. You can find that in the church. And that's why you have to settle under your cover. And don't start running from here to there just because things are going wrong. Can I tell you whatever you're running from in one place, you're going to find it in another? I promise you, if it's somebody that talked too much about them, it's somebody that talked too much in another church. If it's somebody that's always running you down in Bethel, somebody's going to run you down in another church. You know how I know? Because the enemy's going to make sure of it because he don't want you to get planted anywhere. So, oh Lord, my time is gone. So watch this. We have to continue to settle under our covering while we're going through a storm. The disciples did not run from Jesus in the midst of the storm, but they ran to Jesus in the midst of the storm. They asked him, care us not that we drown. And the reason the disciples woke Jesus up is because they needed to know what they should do next. Which means not only did they teach us to navigate the storms of life uh, by staying under our covering, they also teach us to navigate the storms of life by seeking the right counsel. Seeking the right counsel. Uh, let's talk about seeking the right counsel. In order to seek the right counsel, you gotta, you gotta seek God's precepts. You gotta seek God's pastors. You gotta seek God's people. And here's the big one. Seek God's professionals. So I'm gonna go back and talk about this just a little bit. Uh, what do I mean uh, when I say uh, seeking out God's precepts? Uh, the best counsel you can get is the word of God. The best counsel you will receive comes from the scriptures. Be, be, be careful when you run straight to somebody that you went to school with, straight to somebody from the hood, straight to somebody that's been your A1 from day one, and you need them to tell you what to do. Uh, because if they are not rooted and grounded in Christ, you're going to get some bad advice. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 1, chapter number 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his, the law is in the, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You got to be mindful of who you go to for advice. Everybody's not qualified to, to chime in on how you should navigate your storm. So, so when I say seek after the right counsel, what, what do you think I mean by seek after the right counsel? I'm, I'm talking about by making sure whatever counsel you get lines up with the word of God. Make sure that it lines up with the word of God. So not only that, you have to understand that you need to also uh, uh, Seek out the right counsel by going to God's pastors. Uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 3, verse 15, that he'll give you pastors after his own heart. Pastors who have your best interests at heart. Pastors who are not trying to get over on you. They're not, they're not trying to see what they can get out of it. They want to make sure that you're living your best life. Uh, that's why sometimes it's, it's, it's good for you to understand that, yes, the pastor is speaking, but God is speaking through him. Because sometimes the advice you need may not come in the form of a counseling session, but it may come right from the sermon. Have you ever felt like, oh, my God, who he been talking to this week? Who has she been talking to this week? Oh, I can go home now. I got just what I needed. And here's the thing, God's pastors. Don't ever think it's just one pastor. If you ever find one preacher, one pastor who says, don't believe nobody else but me, run. Trust me when I tell you. Now, there, there, there are some people that, that will definitely try and make it seem like it's all about them. I'll be the first to tell you I don't know everything. 
There, there are sometimes, I bless uh, Elder Stanback hard, it's sometimes I say, you know what? You need to meet with Elder Stanback. She got you. <laughs> but here's the crazy part about some church people. They get offended by that. Well, I got to meet with her. I want to meet with you. Okay. <laughs> Come on. But I'm trying to tell you this is her lane. I'm trying to tell you this is his lane. I'm trying to tell you sometimes you want to go, go talk to deacon, deaconship. Go talk to, because sometimes I already know deaconship may have gone through something. And she's ready to let you know exactly how you can do it. But now you want to talk to me? Okay, so let's take some guesses. <laughs> you, you have to understand God has people in place, leadership, that is able to, to give good counsel. But it's not just leadership. That's why I got God's people. There, there are some people that you can talk to who've gone through a whole lot. Here it is. Watch this. Don't miss this. They don't have a title. They don't have a position. They don't want anything from you. You don't hear nothing out of them. But when you go to them and they open up their mouth, you say, oh my God, where did all of this wisdom come from? Because God knows how to use whomever he chooses. But then lastly, watch this. Learn how to seek God's professionals. It's going to get quiet right through here. We get so deep that all we want to do is find it in the scriptures. I'm going to name it and claim it. I'm all right. Ain't nothing wrong with me. All the while, God has gifted people. Now, I'm not saying everybody that's a professional in psychology, psychiatrist, whatever it is. I'm not saying that all of those individuals are saved individuals. Uh, but what I am saying is, if you trust God enough, you should trust him to lead you to the right counselor. If you trust God enough, you should be able to, to say, okay, God, I'm going to go. But God, I need for you to, to make something uneasy when it don't set well, when it don't line up with your word. See, watch this. You should know the word of God enough that when you hear something that's contradicting itself against the word of God, that it should be a check in your spirit. See, when, 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 you, when you know the word of God like that, you don't mind sitting down talking with a professional. Because watch this, it doesn't threaten who you really are. It doesn't make you any less because you go through counseling. You should be able to go through counseling and say, you know what? The Bible tells me that there's a multitude of safety among counselors. But the problem is, watch this, we want to keep running to the pastor. And you know what the pastor going to do? He's going to read the scripture and he's going to pray with you. But what the pastor can't do is diagnose you schizophrenic. And I'm not saying you're schizophrenic and we're not making light of that because mental illness is real. But what I'm saying is if you've had four meetings with me, it don't mean I'm not anointed because you still got this issue. It means there's a deeper issue that perhaps you need to go sit and talk with somebody about. See, the truth of the matter is, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth about who we really are. Sometimes we want to feel like, well, you know what? I'm going to just pray about it and God touch me. And God says, I've gifted certain people for such a time as this. Watch this. There's something to be, there's something to be said about being able to sit down with someone that's a professional who you can really tell all your business to and it stay there. Not that I'm going to run my mouth, but a lot of times you're only going to tell me what you want me to know because I am the pastor and I don't want you to look down on me. In other words, married couples, you'll come to me and you'll say to me, well, pastor, we're just having problems. But because you don't want me to look at him or her in a bad light, you won't say they keep hitting me. And so because you're not telling me everything, can I tell you what hide in darkness? Sin. The enemy loves it when there's secrets. We're wasting time if we ever sit down and we can't tell the whole story. 
And I'm not saying that you need to tell me the whole story. I'm saying you need to find somebody you're comfortable with and tell them the whole story because that's the only way you're going to get home. It's getting tight. I'm going to tread lightly here because I don't want to sound insensitive. But the reason some people are grieving three years and four years after a death is not because well, everybody grieves differently. We do. But there are stages to grief. But you won't go through the stages. And you keep coming to me and all I can do is cry with you. All I can do is tell you well, how you tried this. How, but there are people who are professionally trained to help you get through grief. And we're not trying to rush you through grief. We're not trying to tell you to forget all about the individual. We're trying to help you live with what just happened. Because all of us have experienced it. There's a piece of you that will never be the same. So we're not saying just snap back. But there are people who are here to help you. And it's not just in death. There are some things that you go through that is traumatic. You've been married 35 years and you divorce. And you think you can just go around and say, oh girl, I'm going to be all right. It's not that simple. I'm not discounting God. God can do all things and he do all things well. But included in all things and all things well, he gave people knowledge to study the human psychology that can help you get through. The reason some people keep running people off is because there's some kind of disorder, but you don't want to deal with it. There's medication for things like that. And I'm not being comical. The same way some people take blood pressure medicine to regulate their blood pressure, there are mental illnesses that if people don't take their medicine, it starts to come out. Oh, Lord, my time is gone. But we get so caught up in not going to the doctor. And, and let's be real. Can I be real? Facebook, no offense if you're watching this and you're of the Caucasian persuasion. But our people are the worst. It starts when you're young. Find out somebody going to see a counselor if you want to. We start saying all kind of crazy things that make people not want to go. When the truth of the matter is needed. Here it is, and I'm going to say it, and I'm gonna, I mean every bit of it. If there's any race of people who need counseling, it's us. With all the racism we deal with, it's us. There were things that were passed down from generation to generation. Now watch this. I'm not saying don't beat your child. The Bible says spatter rods for the child. But some of what we do is not the rod. It's abuse. But that abuse has been passed down. Watch this. From way back when we were slaves. Because if you wanted to get a slave to do something, beat them. Oh, it's going to get real quiet right now. There's a difference in disciplining the child and abusing the child. And many of us don't know the difference because Big Mama and Great Mama and, and Great Big Mama and Great Great Grandma never went and got counseling. And so now when she have a baby and she go to Grandma and say, I just can't get him to do right, Grandma just walk in the closet and throw a drop cord and say, try this. If you use a drop cord, he's a forgiving God. Just look straight forward. I got way off course, but I'm trying to stress the importance of how to seek professional help because there are a lot of people that need it. Some of our children need it. We don't understand the mind of a five or a six or a seven-year-old. Okay, I'm going to get in trouble. No, I ain't going to get in trouble because it's Bible. This whole thing with Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle, we just going to support our That kid don't know what he wants. You know how many times I wanted to be something at 10? 12? But because we want them to feel like they have our support, we won't send them to counseling. But now you got to go back to godly counseling because the wrong counselor will tell you, well, he, he just identifies as. I can't go to Duke Power and tell him I identify as broke. So they don't make me pay anything. 
We've gotten so far off track. And there are things in place to help us. But when you try to be super saint and don't want to lean on anything that's not of God, it's no different than if you had a heart attack. And you said, no, I don't want any doctors. I'm going to just pray that my heart gets back to normal. We don't do that. So why not go and take care of our mental health? Why not go and make sure that we okay after we go through something that is very traumatic? And again, it doesn't have to be death. It could be a divorce. It can be losing a job. If you're making $200,000 a year and you lose that job and now you have to live off $30,000, that's traumatic. Now you're going to learn to do it <laughs> until you get something else because that's who we are. We'll make it work. But you need to get some help because if you don't, you're going to take it out on everybody else. Oh, I'm way over my time. So the disciples, watch this, they ended up making sure that they went to Jesus for good advice. Lord, cares now that we perish, what are we going to do? And what I love about Jesus is when Jesus got up, he got up in his true character. He didn't stress. He didn't panic. He just did what Christ did. He spoke to the wind and the waves until everything was calm. What I'm telling you is, if you're going to navigate the storms of life, not only do you have to make sure that you settle under the right cover, not only do you have to seek the right counsel, uh, but you're going to have to stay in your Christian character. You're going to have to learn how to, to pray in the midst of your storms. Don't get so caught up in your storm that you don't pray. Not only do you have to pray in the midst of your storm, but you've got to learn how to prophesy in the midst of your storm. Learn how to open your mouth. It won't be like this always. You got to learn how to speak. The Bible said death and life is in the power of the tongue. You got to learn how to prophesy over your children even when they're acting up. That you're not going to stay this way because I raised you in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And the Bible says that when you train up a child in the way that he should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. I prophesy you're going to be a good kid. You got to learn how to open your mouth. The Bible says that if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, uh, that and you have faith and don't doubt that you can speak to the mountain. And say be, say, be thou removed, and it shall be so. But then lastly, after that, you've got to learn how to praise in your storm. It may be rough sometimes, but you cannot stop giving God glory. Even with tears in your eyes, sometimes you still got to lift your hand. Because praise is what confuses the enemy. I don't have time, but in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, remember when he said, he said you know what, you ain't even going to have to fight in this battle. You ain't, got to, you ain't got to do nothing. He said, but I'll tell you what you do. He said, get your praises together. He says, and the Bible says that when they started singing, that the other army started fighting against one another. And when Judah showed up, all they saw was dead bodies everywhere. Because praise can fight a battle for you. Praise will keep you sane when everything else around you ought to say that you are insane. Praise will help keep you calm. Praise brings about humility. Praise will help you say, you know what, God, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I do know who. And God, you're going to work this thing out for me one way or another. Praise will help you keep your sanity. I'm not telling you what I heard. I've had to praise my way through a whole lot of things. Learn how to keep God's name on your lips. Learn how to give him glory through everything you're going through. The Bible says in everything, in all things, give thanks. We got to learn how to still give God glory. Yes, you'll survive the storm, but until it's over, what are you going to do? Survival is not a question. We already know he's going to bring us out. But there's still a quality of life in the midst of the storm. Okay, somebody still don't get it. Some of my best memories come from being in a storm. See, you don't really do it like that now, but back in the day down on Highway 73, before they developed it, uh, my grandmother and them had a lot of land out there. we go down there every weekend. I don't know if it's because they loved us or because my mama was ready to get rid of us. <laughs> but every weekend we went there. And when it stormed, you unplugged the TV, you cut off the lights, you didn't run no water, Sit down while God is doing his work. But watch this. Even though it was storming, some of the best qualities of life came out of that storm. Because we played some of the best games without the lights, without having any kind of TV on. We learned to talk to each other. We learned to enjoy one another's company. 
Because sometimes, even in the midst of a storm, it does not mean life has to cease. There are some things that you go through now, or that you went through, you look back on now, and say, man, it made me who I am. It made us close like we are. I have cousins that are like brothers to me. Because we was in a storm. Oh yeah, two bedroom, 15 people. <laughs> That's a storm. <laughs> Somebody like, wow, he exaggerating. Mm -mm. If I had time, I'd run it down. Four bunk beds in the bedroom and a pull-out sofa. Two to a bed. <laughs> that was a storm. But it brought us together so close that I wouldn't trade it for anything. When I tell you we are tight, because that storm brought us together. When you, if you want to ever see where somebody's standing in your life, go through a storm with them. You'll find out who they are. So my time is way, way, way gone. But I wanted to encourage somebody today that you have to learn how to navigate your storm. Don't just curl up, sit in the corner, and think that life is over. Learn how to navigate your way through the storm. There's still so much more that you can do even in the midst of your storm. And here's the truth of the matter is, sometimes you can get so busy in your storm that you don't even begin to concentrate on the storm. But you're having so much, uh, 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 I'm not going to say fun, but you're doing so many other things that has your attention that the storm hasn't arrested you. So I'm not trying to minimize anything that you go through. I'm just trying to help you navigate your way through it. And whatever it is you're going through, stay under your cover. Don't leave God. Don't leave your church. Stay under your cover. The worst thing you can do is leave a place he hadn't released you from. Stay under your cover. Seek the right counsel. Be, be careful who you talk to. And after you make sure you settle under your cover and after you make sure that you seek the right counsel, Make sure that you stay in your Christian character. One of the worst feelings in the world is when something or someone calls you to act out of character. You feel about that big when it's all said and done. Don't allow the enemy to do that to you. If you do those things, then you can navigate your storm. Amen? I'm done. Stand to your feet all over the building. Again, uh, I pray that you all would take that lesson in the spirit it was given. Uh, none of it was meant to be offensive. If you're, if you're dealing with any mental illness, if you're dealing with grief, whatever you're dealing with, none of it was meant to be offensive. It was meant to help you navigate your way through this thing. So tonight, tonight, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord and you can call and ask him to direct my family to do so. Just close your eyes.